WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD, the South Shores radio station. And, uh, yeah, technology still uh, giving me a little bit of a hard time here because, uh, uh, you know, I'm still in Florida, trying to still deal with issues down here. Uh, on, I think it was Thursday, I noticed the Comcast Xfinity guy up in a pole saw him hook some stuff up, had internet for about a day, and then didn't. And uh, they replaced the cabling from the whole length of the street, and I saw the guy up there, and I said, oh, is this going to be working when you're done? Oh, yeah, no problem. And it's not. So, uh, and of course, you call Comcast, and your call is very important to them, but they don't seem to care that much. I don't know, just my opinion. We'll see. I've been doing pretty. I've been actually building a whole relationship with someone on Twitter from Comcast who uh, says their father their father uh, likes uh, antique cars. So, who knows? But anyways, but uh, uh, we got a treat with us today. We got Chris Teague. Chris Teague is. Uh, I don't know, Chris. Are you like king of all media? You do you do a little bit of everything. I do a little bit of everything. Uh, freelance writing. I have my own radio show, uh, and I have a website. So very busy here. Well, let's let's start let's start from the top. How did, how did you get into this uh, automotive business? Where you know you look at the industry, you look at cars, you look at all that stuff. Where did that all come from? Yeah, I started out, believe it or not, in culinary school uh, and worked my way through that and, and figured out that that's not a way to raise a family, at least not working twenty four hours a day. So then I went back to school and uh, became a banker. Uh, and during that time, I started writing about technology, banking technology, financial technology. Uh, and it became a, a pretty good side job for a long time. And then I realized that if I was going to spend time away from my family doing something like writing, I wanted it to be about something that I really was passionate about and that I really cared about. So I uh, started bugging some editors in the automotive space and got my foot in the door. Uh, my colleague on the radio show, Jack Neerad, helped me a lot in the early days meeting. And then uh, you folks at the New England Motor Press Association really stepped in, too. So. Uh, I've been doing this uh, full-time for about three years and on and off for about seven. And what's the name of the radio program? The radio program is America on the Road. Uh, we also have a podcast. It's on all the major platforms. But we're on the uh, Sports Map Radio Network. Uh, it's based in Houston, but we're on almost 100 channels, stations, I think, at this point in time across the country. Uh, there are a few here in New England. Most are in Texas, California, Nevada. Um, but we're, we're growing, and it's very fun. It's, it's a big learning experience for me. Uh, timing what I'm saying and, you know, getting in between commercial breaks and things, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know, when, uh, you know, you mentioned Jack Nerad. I remember when I first started doing radio 30 some odd years ago, uh, I had, I think Jack might've worked for Mazda back then. He did. Yep. He's been, yeah. he's been around the block a few times too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember talking to him and I remember, and I remember the radio show as well, which was, uh, which the idea that, you know, people have been around that long. I mean, a lot of people think of, you know, Tom and Ray Maliazzi, uh as kind of the kings of radio, but there's been some shows that have been around a long time. Uh, the Zangari brothers, who I think we may have John Zangari on next week, you know, they've been doing radio, automotive radio for 35 years and Jack has to be up in that 35 year range as well. So. 
He did. Um, the radio show, we're continuing it on. So it was originally called America on the Road and won several awards. And they had, I think, three or 400 stations in the 90s. Um, and so it kind of went away. Jack's partner at the time passed away. And we brought it back as a podcast. And then um, we were able to find a radio network that was kind enough to take us on. And they've been distributing us for almost a year and a half now. It's been a great thing. Oh, that's that's real good stuff. So, um, and then you also said, you know, you're a freelance writer. You've been writing for several publications, right? I do. I work for some that you're familiar with in New England, uh, Car Gurus, Car Talk, some of the big names yep. uh, in the region, as well as Autoblog and JD Power, uh, and then a few smaller um, publications here and there. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and you know, a lot of people think that I'm breaking my back doing this, but I try to spread my efforts across a lot of uh, publications that will have me because it's a good learning experience and it's a good perspective on the industry and how people talk and learn about cars. And the uh, and you actually put together a deal and you ended up buying a website you work <laughs> for, right? I did. Um, the owner of the SportsMap Radio Network also owns a small network of websites, and one of them was called Automotive Map. Uh, I took over the editor position there in 2021 and ran it for about a year until the middle of this year when they decided the automotive was no longer part of their overall vision. So he approached me, and we had talked a few times about um, me asking advice to build a, a website and things. So he said, you know, hey, I have um, this website. It's four years old. You can take it, but you can't have the brand name or the domain name or anything like that. So um, I migrated it over. It's now at yourtestdriver.com, uh, and we're building it. We've got almost 4,000 articles uh, several videos, all the media. So, um, you know, it was kind of overwhelming at first because I, I bought this thing and I started thinking I was going to build the next car and driver. Uh, but very quickly, my wallet and common sense uh, brought me back into check. So we're, we're going to change it up a little bit now and try to build a family informational uh, outlet around the automotive world. So if you're a new family member, you have a new kid, you're looking to buy your first car, buy a car for your college kid, um, we're, we're doing you know, how to do oil changes, how to get your children involved in automotive projects, how to tint your own windows, and, and really get into this, the groove of information. Uh, because I think, and you might agree with this, there are two big holes in the industry when it comes to family, or two different approaches, I should say, when it comes to family uh, automotive information. You either have a mainstream outlet doing it as sort of an afterthought because they feel like they have to, or you have a family outlet reviewing a car because they also were approached by an automaker and feel like they're obligated to do it. And I feel like there's some a lack in connection between uh, the want to deliver information and the need to make money on ads and things. And so uh, we're trying to hit the middle ground there and come up with something that everybody can learn from, uh, maybe have a little bit of time or fun as well. And you occasionally run that uh, Car Doctor Guy column too, right? Oh, yeah, every week we do. I've got one coming out today, John Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's and that's the same thing. I mean, I've always thought, you know, when I, when I started to do this a long time ago, I – I, my background was an auto mechanic, and then I came to work at AAA, and I became, I, I ran something called the Automotive Diagnostic Center, where I would give people advice on cars they were thinking about buying, mostly as used cars, or thinking about selling them, and try to give them a good place to start, where to go. And now it's sort of settled into, really, I'm just trying to be a broker of good advice, and to be able yeah. to tell people, you know, Here's here's what I think based on the years of knowledge I have, and whether it's and whether it is somebody who's, um, and I'm fortunate enough that I'm also a child pastor safety uh, instructor, so I teach people how to put car seats in. I teach cops and firefighters and so forth how to put 
car seats in. So people ask me, hey, you know, we're we're having a baby. What do you think about this vehicle versus this vehicle? I, you know, I want to put a uh, Diono car seat in. Uh, I might say, you know, maybe that isn't a good choice. Or whether it's, and I, I answered a couple questions this week, uh, people in their 70s that are getting out of small sedans like Toyota Corollas and, and such, and they're looking to get into another vehicle, and they've found that, well, Oddly, the Corolla has got like lower and wider and a little bit harder for somebody in their 70s to climb in and out of where something like a small SUV that originally you think is targeted at maybe a younger family can be a perfect vehicle for that older driver. Exactly. And I think, you know, taking a look around at social media, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, you see people asking the most basic questions that you would assume have to have been answered already. So do I need a minivan or an SUV? What is the difference between a minivan and an SUV? Do I need... Uh, as you mentioned, do I need a small crossover instead of a, a small sedan? How am I going to get in and out of the car? So we're going to try to hit some of the, I say we, I, <laughs> for the moment. I'm going to try to hit some of these high points and answer some of these questions in a way that uh, is thorough enough that people can keep coming back and see you know, more answers like this. Because I think, yeah. there again, there's a big hole here. Yeah, and, you know, and our buddy George Kennedy, we kind of gave him credit for coining the expression. And I don't know, you know, sometimes I sometimes I think, Maybe we did, maybe we didn't. But, you know, test drive the tech as well as test drive in the car because sometimes the technology in a car can be so frustrating that uh, it takes it takes a car which is typically a pretty good car to drive but makes it frustrating when you're trying to do something like just adjust the climate control or change the radio stations. Yeah, and, you know, as much as a lot of people, including myself, like to complain about screens and touch buttons and everything else, uh, I mean, I own a 2022 Golf GTI, a Volkswagen. There, There's not a single knob in the car. Everything is touch control. So I think we're in a world now where this is here to stay, and we're not getting – we're not. We're never going to go back to uh, the old radio station where you crank the dial and watch the orange marker go across the radio stations. Uh, so, you know, we've got to find a way to educate people in a way that makes sense because there's a lot of uh, crosstalk with confusing terms, and so – uh, even the safety equipment these days, you know, automatic emergency braking is called five different things depending on where you look. Right. So uh, there's a lot of clarity that's needed, and I think hopefully we, I could help do that. Yeah, I mean, we did something at, at AAA one day, and we actually kind of broke down all of the terminology for, you know, semi-autonomous drive-type systems. And we found out it, it wasn't even universal within the same car manufacturer. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, in a Chevy, it was called one thing and a Buick, it was called something else. And I mean, come on, you know, let's let's try to add a little bit more um, more terminology. And since then, AAA and Consumer Reports have also come out sort of focused on that same kind of direction as well, where you can say, make it easier for the consumer. Don't don't make it more confusing. And, um, you know, same thing, you know, you you know, your the title of your website is is perfect but you know sometimes you have to look at things and go um you know what uh this is a great car but drive it at night make sure the headlights fit your needs i was i was driving on a very dark road the other night and there wasn't a light anywhere and i'm like you know my headlights are lousy in my car and and i guess more because i haven't really been driving a press car very much lately and i drove my own car and i'm like, compared to some of the 2022s that are out there my four-year-old car is uh uh the headlights just don't stack up to the way the new cars do yeah and you know the the insurance institute for highway safety does an incredible job at rating new cars headlights and a lot of people probably are aware of that but most people don't go to the website and look at it and so and it's also inconvenient so 
uh, trying to put all this stuff in one place. But to your point, uh, we have a Volvo XC90 with automatic uh, high beam headlights, and my wife didn't realize it at first, and so we're driving along. The lights are <laughs> the lights are going bright and off bright, and she's trying to figure out how to turn it off, and neither one of us knew. And you know, so these are things that yes, we could have read the owner's manual ahead of time, but um, just a simple, straightforward place that people could go and learn. Uh, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, it it really is, and and I think I think it's a great service that you're trying to provide. Um, you drive a lot of different cars. What what have you driven lately that you that really surprised you, either surprised you positively or negatively? Um, I'll say the two that surprised me positively, and I was kind of expecting this, so I, it wouldn't be a huge surprise, the, and they're twins, right? So the Hyundai Ioniq 5 and the Kia EV6, both are built on the same platform. They share a lot of their underpinnings. But as two brand-new electric vehicles riding on a brand-new uh, global sort of architecture for vehicles, um, they have incredible technology. They're extremely comfortable. Uh, I think they mix the futuristic look with the down-to-earth real car look, so to speak, very well. And if you can find one without a markup, they're not absurdly priced. So I think Hyundai and Kia hit, you know, the five or six high points there um, for an electric vehicle. Now, I talk about this a lot on my radio show, but here in New England, and you probably know this, maybe in Massachusetts it's a lot better, but here in Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, you can drive hours and never even see an electric charger. And, in fact, when I look on on the Internet, the closest one to me is at a grocery store, and it's only 50 kilowatts. So uh, the infrastructure in these areas aren't great enough to own those cars for me at least yet, but I think uh, once the infrastructure backs it up, those are excellent cars. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. You know, where I live normally on Cape Cod, um, there is the nearest level three charging, which is the sort of DC-DC fast charging, uh, is in Hyannis. So it's a 17 or 18-mile drive to a shopping mall to see if maybe it's in use or not. And um, there is a little bit of infrastructure building going on, but it is it is happening pretty slow. And where I am in Florida right now, um, you would be, actually those little town here, you would be pretty hard-pressed to find a, uh, anything more than a level two charging station in a couple of uh, uh, office parking lots or municipal office parking lots there's a couple but uh not not a whole lot here yet either like you pointed out it you know once the build out happens or you know people have more ability to drive at home i i have i have driven the ionic and i found it to be a really good car and even though i was pretty far away from charging stations my my driving has changed a lot since uh, COVID-19, where prior to COVID-19, I was commuting back and forth to work. It was about 110 miles round trip every day. And um, now, it, it, you know, with work at home and all that, my commute has gotten a lot shorter. But I was able to use the Ionic, charge it on a 110-volt outlet that I would normally plug in my electric lawnmower to, and it worked out okay because on the days where I drove you know, maybe 60 or 70 miles that day. Yeah, it might not fully recharge overnight, but it maybe brought it up 50 miles. And then I drove 20 or 30 miles that day, plugged it in again. And by two days of 110-volt charging, you know, it was back up to a full charge again. But if my commute was going to be bigger where I was going to drive longer distance, um, I would need to rely on public charging because I live in a cottage that doesn't have, uh, probably doesn't have enough electrical capacity to be able to charge you be able to put in a good level two charger 
Yeah, the interesting thing with the industry, you might have noticed this, is we went from talking heavily about range. Everybody has range anxiety. I can't make it where I need to go. I need more miles. To now we're talking more about charging speed, right? So we can get by with an EV that has 250 miles of range as long as it can recharge to 80% in, what, 30, 45 minutes. So uh, maybe even less than that for some of them. So, uh, But to your point, you know, it's funny here because I drive uh, plug-in hybrids as well, and, you know, they have to be charged. I have a 243-now-year-old house with a barn that is almost that old, and we're going to put in a level 2 charger there. Uh, but if you don't have those spaces, you don't have, you have an apartment or you live in, like, a shared community of some sort, uh, you know, electric vehicles might be years off for those those people. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a company in Somerville, and they're sort of, I don't want to say their claim to fame, but their claim to fame is they're on Shark Tank, and they got a million dollars on a Shark Tank, and since then they've gotten another $23 million uh, in venture capital funding, and they are building portable uh, it's the company's called Spark Charge, and they're building portable level three chargers, which are basically look like a triple size ATM kind of thing, and it uses a it uses a battery pack inside of it. And how it works is you pull up, you plug in, you get high speed charging without the sixty or eighty thousand dollar infrastructure needed, because it's basically a battery system that that uh, charges up and when those batteries go dead they send out a truck they swap over the batteries in a couple minutes it's got a fresh set of batteries in the charging station and it can charge up cars multiple times based on the battery capacity and they're they're thinking they'll be able to put these in parking garages uh, rest areas that wouldn't normally have the ability to put in you know high voltage charging so people will be able to uh, get charging also they have charging on demand where uh, you know, a little like AAA would come out and deliver gasoline, they'll come out and basically deliver a charge, and not necessarily for emergency purposes, but like you pointed out, somebody who lives in an apartment or lives in a condo or lives in the city that doesn't have the access to uh, vehicle charging, they can come out and they can basically deliver range to your car, which I think is a pretty interesting concept. I think it is. It, it would be a big. Uh, it would make a big impact here, depending on the you know the rollout. Because right now the charging infrastructure in Maine is tied to businesses that are nice enough or you know forward looking enough to put these things in. Employers. Uh, my former, my last office job before I went full freelance was uh, they had two level two chargers in the front of our parking lot. So, but that's where the the vast majority of the infrastructure is here. So if you want to go charge, you have to go sit at a college somewhere or the grocery store or find a rest stop, and the closest rest stop is the only one that has a, a charger in the state has a Tesla charger, and that's in Kennebunk, which is, you know, an hour and a half away from my house. So uh, it's, it's interesting, and I would be interested to see how that impacts the, the usability of an EV in a place like Maine, or I've read, you know, the Midwest is almost the same, you know, vast distances without charging, so... Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, and I think for a lot of, a lot of people, it's... Um... You know, electric vehicles are sort of on the table. They're sort of looking at them. They might not be quite ready yet. I mean, you talk to, you know, the folks over at Car Gurus, and they'll tell you that electric vehicles are some of the most researched vehicles. But people are still a little slow to pull the trigger on on the vehicle for a couple of reasons, technology, price, and like you pointed out, even dealer markup at this point. So any vehicles out there you sort of came away with and went, eh, it still needs a little bit more work. Yeah, I'll tell you, the one that I actually have in my driveway this week, it's the uh, 2022 Lexus NX. I think it's the NX 250. I could be wrong. Maybe it's the 350. Either way, the brand-new Lexus NX 
Um, for me, uh, so it's about the size of a, a RAV4 inside, but for me, the, the roof line is sloped too much, so rear headroom is impacted. Um, the front cabin area, and maybe you've driven it, John Paul, I'm not sure, but uh, it's very sporty, so the front seats are very uh, very well bolstered, and you feel like you're sitting in a cockpit. The, the tech is great. Everything is fine there, but for me, it just feels cramped. And then um, it's a little coarse and loud. It's got a, a four-cylinder engine, and uh, it looks very sporty. It looks great. People stop and ask questions about it, but for me, it doesn't represent what Lexus puts forth, even though it's not the flagship Lexus, quote-unquote. Uh, I think it needs it needs a little more refinement before it's ready for prime time. Yeah, and it's kind of funny how, you know, I I think of Lexus, and I remember back when they introduced their first model, and, and, you know, it was really sort of the luxury car that people were benchmarking against almost other luxury cars. And to go in this direction, uh, you know, I I remember when, you know, Porsche said they were going to do an SUV, and everybody kind of said, an SUV from Porsche, how can that possibly be? But they put a lot of Porsche DNA in that vehicle. And the idea to take a luxury car like Lexus and make something that feels a little rough around the edges, um, not the Lexus that I think of when I automatically think of Lexus. Exactly. And, you know, I understand why they make those vehicles. They have to compete with the BMWs and the Mercedes-Benzes and the Audis of the world. But uh, to do that, you, as you said, you have to have enough of your DNA in there for it to be, you know, uh, a compelling buy against the others, and I don't think the NX does. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Chris, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Sunday, but first off, uh, uh, the website again is? It is www.yourtestdriver.com, and that's all you need. And uh, and people can also find your stuff on Car Gurus and, uh, and Car Talk and... Just yes, I'm actually working on a big story for uh, extended warranties on Car Talk right now. It should be up at the end of next week. You can see the full ranking of all the, the companies that call you all the time to try to see to sell you an extended warranty. Yeah, yeah. Will, will you will you do a story about uh, Medicare supplements? I'm still trying to figure all that stuff. Out. <laughs> I'll save that one for another day. All right. Hey, Chris. Thanks a lot for taking some time out of your Sunday and joining us on the Car Doctor program. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. You as well. Take care. That was Chris Teague from YourTestDriver.com. We need to take a break and pay some bills. You're listening to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. Moment in your life. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Wouldn't you just love new kitchen cabinets without the high cost, the mess, and the inconvenience? Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting, and I know how scary the thought of a demo kitchen for months can be. So I have a solution. Let our cabinet refinishing team restore the beauty to your kitchen cabinets. Our professionals will apply a sprayed finish that costs less and will be done in days. We paint hundreds of kitchen cabinets every year and we would love to add yours to our list. Call Stuart Painting today at either our Hingham or Hyannis offices to schedule your free estimate or to receive a virtual quote, go to StuartPaint.com. Choose Get a virtual quote now, create a video of your project, 
send it to our sales team and receive a price within 24 hours. So remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. Quirk Kia Marshfield, offering the same great customer sales and service you expect from a Quirk dealership. Go in, browse their well-stocked lot, and drive home in a brand new Kia, like the 2023 Kia Forte or the 2023 Kia Sportage. And the Quirk service department will be available to you for the lifetime of your vehicle. Quirk Kia Marshfield works for you. Quirk Kia, 923 Plain Street, Marshfield, just off Route 3 at the new exit 27. Visit QuirkKiaMarshfield.com. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD, the South Shores radio station. Our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And so far, the technology seems to be holding out okay. Uh, why don't we talk to Tom? Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing Good. okay. Yeah. I have a couple of questions. My, my tin shack is still standing, mostly, I guess. So, uh, you know, down are you here, here in Florida. Or are you down Florida? No, I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida, and uh, we're we're trying to figure out how we're going to take care of the damage. But we're in a lot better shape than a lot of other people. Where, um, you know, the house across the street is completely destroyed. There's a bunch oh, of them. And, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so we're, we're able to, we're able to, uh, sit up and take nourishment, as they say. Which side of the fence do you want? Are you one of these people that have insurance or don't have insurance? Oh, we don't have insurance. Yeah. I have it to you? Uh, I tried to buy insurance and, um, and most people, most agents said no. And then I said, well, how about if, can I buy just like renter's insurance? It would cover my belongings. And they're like, no, because you don't rent, you own it. And I said, well. Don't you have contents insurance? And they said, nope, nope. So we only have insurance. We have insurance for liability if you know somebody falls down. But uh, but we uh, we tried to get insurance, and there's a there's a risk pool like a like in Massachusetts they have the fair plan sure. down here. Yeah. They call it something like citizens insurance, and um, they limit the payout. And even at that, I was still interested in getting the insurance, but I couldn't get an agent to call me back. So I kind of gave up and. You know, I said, well, I'll just take my chances and see what happens. And for five years, I took my chances, and I was pretty lucky. Year five, not so lucky. So, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're, we're working through it at this point. We, uh, we, had to, we, had to do, we had to do some kind of immediate work to some stuff to get things fared away. But, uh, but anyway, enough, enough about me, enough, enough minute, pity from me. So. the question. So the other question is, did you find out who took the gas tanks? Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I did. Yes, okay, I did. And, 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 uh, and it was, and it was, and it was all good. And I, and I said, you know, anybody who wants to use them, take them and, yeah. uh, don't even refill them. I don't care about, I just want to get them back so I can, so I can refill them so I can, cause we didn't even know when we came down here, whether we would actually have electricity or not, because, um, mm. because for quite a while, uh, there was no electricity and, 
I hadn't really thought about it, but there was no water. And I kind of said, why would there be no water? Well, because it's Florida and everything's flat. All the sewer systems run on pumps and they shut off the water so it doesn't overflow the sewer system. So fortunately, when we got down here, there was the power had come back on and the uh, and uh, the water came back on. So we had we at least had water and electricity when we first came down here. But uh, we're getting some semblance of normalcy except for the internet which i don't have so i i i make an attempt i make an attempt to get it and i thought i had it and then they came in and fixed it and broke it and now they say the next appointment available is tuesday so we'll have to wait I heard to see. that there's some problems down there uh in florida they didn't say the actual location that they're having problems with mold because they don't have electricity well, yeah, a, a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the homes that were down here, especially the ones that uh, were damaged, had a lot of mold buildup, and it's the ugly mold, it's the black mold, it's the nasty kind that can yeah. get you sick. And um, we were fortunate that one of my neighbors came in, and I had a lot of water damage in one part of the house, and um, uh, one of the neighbors came in and kind of opened up all the doors to let some ventilation in and out of the house which was good and i think that saved a lot of mold issues and um you know we've been here for 10 days now and uh we haven't really seen anything so i think we've been we've been pretty lucky as far as that goes but yeah a lot of a lot of houses and not just mobile homes but regular houses that got water you know in through the ceilings and sat on the ceilings and the ceilings mm. all got black and moldy yeah. and um, there's a house. There's a house right up the street from me that uh, they had a crew in, and it it's a mobile home, but it looks like a real house inside. Um, and they have it right down to the studs inside because I guess oh. it got it got so wet inside that um, they had a crew come in. And it's I have to admit it's pretty phenomenal. Um, even my little association for almost three weeks. Um, got donations from local businesses and some of the folks that were here were cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner for people seven days a week. Um, you know, and, uh, I, I, the first night I was here, a younger couple, probably in their early thirties, just happened to drive by in a pickup truck and said, Oh, did you just get down? Did you need a case of water? Did you need some, did you need some snacks to get you through the night? Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been pretty remarkable there's also a um, a local church group uh that will come out and they'll help either you know tear stuff out of your house and clean it up or you know mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. right now you know the street looks like um uh you know a trash dump because everybody's kind of dragged everything to get destroyed out to the street uh but they'll they'll come out and they'll try to you know try to get everything cleaned up inside your house for you there's um I have an appointment with the uh, Army Corps of Engineers. Of all people, they're gonna they're gonna come in uh, sometime. They said probably within the next week or ten days, and put a special kind of uh, heavy rubberized tarp over the roof of my house just to protect it against any, any other water leaks. Um, a woman from the Army Corps was here a couple days ago and sketched everything out. And they told me they they told me it's going to be. Uh, when the contract comes out and does it afterwards, the uh, Army Corps engineers sends a drone out 
to actually check on the work and and uh, and, and they have a number written on the roof so they know which one was done. So um, there, it's it's um, I've never been in this kind of disaster before, but it's amazing how organizations and people come together to try to help each other. Yeah, the other thing I heard is uh, they're having trouble with mosquitoes because of the city oh, water. Oh, so, oh, there's a, oh, there's a lot of mosquitoes. Uh, yeah. That's that's for sure. I have I have mosquito spray every place I go. I think, but you know, mm-hmm. I was um, you know we my little house had a carport on each side, and I had my wife's Volkswagen on one side, and the carport completely disappeared. I'm not actually even sure where it went, um, and the car got. Um, the car got some damage, and I think the car got damaged from a combination of the carport falling on top of it or whatever happened to it, sure. and uh, debris, uh, but also I think the car cover I had on it, um, whipping around, I mean, they said the winds were 100, and, 100 to 130 miles an hour, so, um, you know, the winds blowing around and, you know, shaking the car cover on it, uh, you know, did some damage to the paint, and there's one you know, there's one dent. It looks like somebody took a baseball bat to the front fender and put a dent in the fender. The other issue is I went up to a body shop to see about getting it repaired. And um, the body shop, and it was just a local place that I could literally walk to if I wanted to. And yeah. um, and I, they were busy as could be. And I said, I said, well, I can understand why you're busy. But they said, well, you have to understand, Richie's Auto Body down the street building was devastated by the hurricane a1 auto body you know over here devastated by the hurricane galetta's auto body um devastated by the hurricane they said we seem to be the only ones open and we have a big garage door a big you know big enough that you could actually probably roll a tractor trailer in and um that one uh the door actually blew in so they just park a big trailer in front of it for security and and kind of leave it there but uh there there's a there's a lot of damage there's a there's a dunkin donuts kind of at the end of my street and as i was out for a walk one day i noticed the dunkin donuts sign was in somebody's front yard probably <laughs> 300 yards away so um so it is yeah so there is there is a lot a lot going on and uh, and it's it's a challenge for everybody. Some a lot of the restaurants haven't reopened, uh, and some of them can't open because their help um, their help was in a, a situation that they're trying to figure out where to where to live. I, we went out the first night we were here. We went out. We tried to find a local restaurant. We were in. Um, we finally found one place, and we were talking to the woman who was sort of the she was bouncing back and forth between bartender and 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 waitress and I said how did you make out and she said we don't really know yet because when the storm got bad she said I live on a 28 foot sailboat and she said we had the boat taken out of the water and put it in storage unfortunately the store the storage unit collapsed and she said I think my boat is okay looking at it but she said they can't start to take boats out of the storage system until an engineer comes in and looks it all over to make sure that they can start to take pieces away without you know causing more damage so sure, um, like a domino and, effect. Yeah, yeah yeah and and she said you know fortunately i have a friend that you know has let me stay with them but she said uh you know i i want to get back on my back on my sailboat and live on my own and uh so it's it's tough for it's tough for everybody down here but it is it's uh the woman across the street from me her house like i said was totally destroyed her next door neighbor lives in maine and uh 
he's he's coming he's coming back soon but he said to her just move into my house it's fine you know so she's been living there till she waits to see about um you know getting you know getting a a, a loan of some sort to build a new house so it's it's a it's a tough situation all the way around for a lot of people yeah it sounds like for up here when we had the blizzard of 78 how yeah, everybody well, yeah. got together to help each other yeah yeah no, it's the so same. Nice it's the see. same. It's the same idea. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't see myself going out in my little boat much because the, uh, the, the little creek river thing that I live on, is got so much debris in it, uh, from, you know, whether it's not just, you know, it's not just metal from mobile homes. It's, mm. you know, it's roofing shingles and wood and, you know, all kinds of junk that's just floating in the water. So, uh, I think my boats, my. My boat's going to stay under its little cover for right now. So yeah, well, yeah. I'm sorry yeah. for everything you're going through. And well, there well, other people down there too. Yeah, I mean a lot. You know it. You know when we pulled into the street, we were shocked at how bad it was. Even though we kind of knew it was going to be bad, uh, but until you saw it in real life, the pictures didn't really tell you. It's uh, it's it, and it's it's pretty bad. I, I was I was talking to uh, somebody last yesterday afternoon and. Uh, his father owns three houses in this little mobile home park, and uh, he uh, he said to one of his kids that lives in one house, it got fairly badly damaged, but it's still livable. He said, "You're moving back home," and he goes, "Why?" He said, "Well, two of my, two or three of my workers don't have any place to live, so they're going to live in your house. You're going to live back at home with us." And uh, and he goes, he goes, "Well, I didn't know that was going to happen," but he said, "You know," he said, "Well, he's trying to take care of his people too." So, you know, is oh. it's sort of it's sort of interesting. Uh, anyway, back to car questions. You had yeah. you had a couple. I have two. First one, I have an '07 Dodge Grand Caravan, and the headliner is starting to come down on passenger and driver's side. Any way of fixing that that the normal backyard mechanic can do? Um, is it cloth or like that vinyl-y stuff? Oh, I wish it was vinyl. It's cloth. It's cloth. Um, not really. You can try to you can try to actually sew it kind of up in place. If you go to, you know, if you go to a sewing store and get one of those, you know, curved needles, you can actually you'd be surprised. You can actually kind of uh, run a stitch across it and get it tucked up at least so it's not hitting you in the head. Right. Um, yeah. The other thing you the other thing you can do is you can um, you can have the whole you know cloth pot you know tear it all out and you can have somebody put in a uh, vinyl coated cardboard headliner and you know put that back in place. But, oh, I never thought uh, of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, you can if you go to you know a convertible top shop if there is such a thing anymore, automotive interior place. Um, you can get you can get. Um, you can get a different style headliner that will go in there, and um, it'll be it'll be fine. But other than that, once they start to come apart, you're kind of stuck. And I know I had a I had a, a car once the cloth headliner was falling down, and I tried to carefully peel it back and take some 3M contact adhesive spray, mm-hmm. spray it up there, mm-hmm. and uh, and then kind of take a, a, a like a, a plastic putty knife and sort of smooth it back into place you know lift it up pull it try to get the wrinkles out of it it worked okay but usually what happens is they start to break down because the material behind the cloth is started to break down with age so but you might you can you can you can all you can do is make it worse i guess so 
Yeah. Which is, a, I did that back when I had like a 72 Pontiac Grand Prix. Line is not coming down. Just like you're saying, I got some of that 3M spray. Yeah. Put yep. it up there. But the stuff that it sticks to, that started crumbling and coming right. down. Right, right, like, uh, and that's why, and that's why sometimes you can actually get a needle and thread up there, get it through the material that's on the other side of that, and get it enough to hook up. Um, I, I've even, uh, you know, I've even seen in the other style, the vinyl over cardboard style. You know, people have had thumbtacks stuck in it to hold it up. So, you know, you can, you can, you can try a few things, but I, you know, you can try the glue. That might help. Uh, the the more you prep it ahead of time where you get all the dust and dirt out of there and mm-hmm. kind of pull it down a little bit, the better shot you are of having it glue up in place a little bit neater. Sure. Next question. Talk about AAA. AAA advertises that they can, uh, they have uh, repair shops approved by AAA. Right. If you have yep. a trouble with your vehicle, you bring it to them. And they fix it, and you leave. And next thing you know, you get the problem again. You get to bring it back. You 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 call you call back, and you talk to our member relations department, and say, I went to, you know, John's garage, and yeah. I had uh, I had a new starter put in, and the next day the car didn't start. And what they'll do is they'll assign one of the field reps to go out and meet with you and meet with the garage and get you together and it has you know the, everything has a two-year 24,000 mile warranty and the garages all have arbitration clauses that that say that you know in the event of a of a dispute um the garage has to abide by the field rep's decision on what there is so even though the garage might say i don't think it's our fault we put a starter in it and you know it was really the ignition switch and um you know, we didn't. We wouldn't have known that because we tested the starter and it didn't work. The field rep could say, "Hey, look, I still think you owe them the money back. You'll get your money back." So there is an let arbitration me, clause and a warranty too. So let me throw something at you. So the check engine light comes on. Yep. Bring it to the shop. They say it's your O2 sensor. Say okay, great. So they uh, replace the oxygen sensor. Yep. And the check engine lights out. Two days later. Check engine light comes on. They go back. Yeah. I bring it back to the shop, and the shop says, "Well, it's the other oxygen sensor now." Is that something mm. that? No, because what happens was the code should have told them. Well, we'll put it this way: the code should have told them it was the, you know, front, rear, left, right oxygen sensor, whichever one it was. Okay. Now, if all of a sudden. It says, two days you know, later. it was the, two days later. It's a different oxygen sensor when they check it for codes. A um, little bit of a gray area in that case. But if it still comes up that, you know, bank one oxygen sensor is still bad and that's the yeah. one they replaced, well, then there's something that caused that bank one oxygen sensor to show bad and it's mm-hmm. either the car's running too lean it's running too rich and they just took a shot that it was a bad oxygen sensor uh it could be a you know leak leak in an intake manifold i mean exhaust manifold um or, or so it could many. be a wiring it could be a wiring issue i mean a lot you know every car today has a heated oxygen sensor and sometimes there'll be oh it needs an oxygen sensor you know the heated oxygen sensor is bad but in fact it's the wiring that goes to the oxygen sensor that that third wire that goes to the sensor that supplies current that heats the sensor up so it starts to react quicker um, mm. is broken 
and you know you can replace the oxygen sensor all day long but if it's a broken wire that goes from the computer to the oxygen sensor it ain't ever going to work so it depending on depending on what's wrong okay good and does the repair shop suffer consequences for that only if they screw up a lot you know, everybody oh, okay. screws up. So, everybody screws up once in a while, but no, yeah. no, sure. no, no. If, if um, and in most cases, you know, most of the shops that I that I used to deal with on a regular basis, they just want the car fixed. And if they if they did something wrong, and in some cases, I, I remember one shop that um, he's since retired now. But you know, he used to say, if um, you know, if something came in and the customer thinks that we're wrong about it. Let's just fix it, make the customer happy, and uh, I don't I don't want them to think you know we we either don't know what we're talking about or that we tried to take advantage of them because this guy was in the business for thirty five years and he's like I've sure. never taken advantage of anybody in my life and I don't want someone to walk away and say you know you 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 took advantage of me because I don't know what I'm doing and you don't either and he said you know if we put brakes on the car and the car didn't start he said. I'll put a I'll put a starter in, you know, if that's what if that's what was really wrong with it. Even though they said, mm-hmm. you know, you came in for brakes and now the car doesn't start, so it must have been something you did. He said, I just I just want to fix it, make the customer happy, and and most good garages are are good about trying to just take care of customers. So. Sure, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Okay, all right. You have a better week coming up. Well, uh, you know, it's I will say it's uh, it's it's sunny and the sky's blue and it's eighty degrees, so. It can't be that bad. Good, good. All right. Again, good talking right. to you again. All right, Bye-bye take care. Now. Bye. Why don't we take another break and pay some bills? If you'd like to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. My name is John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. This is my mom. She's the best. We have so much fun together. Right after I was born, my mom got really, really sick. She was so sick that she needed to get a new heart just so she could live. My mom told me that she got her new heart from someone she didn't even know. That person saved my mom. That person is my hero. Be a hero. Be an organ donor. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. Plymouth Rock wants to talk to you. Seeing the rock is not the most boring field trip ever. Its feelings are hurt when it hears people say, this is it. This amazing rock has been listening to people's thoughts since the beginning of civilization. It's a 600-million-year-old glacier that migrated to Plymouth Bay. Today, it's your turn to talk to the rock. Visit Plymouth Rock and take a video and send it to cplymouth.com. You could win some cash. Want to know more? Go to cplymouth.com and click on Talk to the Rock. Funded in part by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Don't miss the Just Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. 
Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program at 95.9 WATD. Uh, let's talk to our buddy Mike and Hingham. Michael, good morning. Good morning, car doctor. At least it uh, wasn't 40 degrees when you woke up this morning. Like that's right. Uh, that's right. Jesse said it was in. It was 35 in in uh, down on the South Shore in uh, his hometown. So uh, it was a little little bit chillier, but yeah, it was. Uh, uh, that's true. The, you know, if there's if there's an upside, you know, I suppose that's it. So. So let me get to my question. So uh, earlier this month, my remote start, my all of my information to my Lexus 2017 Lexus LS. And the reason is 3G is being abandoned. I called uh, Lexus customer relations up, and they were very nice, but basically said tough luck, uh, which you know kind of upsets me. Uh, next year will be my 50th year driving Toyota products. Unless I can come to an agreement with them, there won't be any 51st year. And uh, uh, I have an idea, and uh, I wonder what your thoughts were. Well, let's hear your idea first, because I don't know if I have an idea yet. So I know, I know, I know. Prior to this, with Cadillac, uh, with OnStar, for instance, when they switched over from three uh, uh, G to four G or two G to three G or whatever it was, they just said, "Sorry, there's nothing we can do." Right, and that's what they've done to me. So my yeah. plan is to, uh, and I write a pretty good letter. I'm going to write a letter to the president of the. Of Lexus, Toyota, and yep. United States. Yep. Probably copy the, the president in Japan, too. Uh, a real letter, and I write a pretty good letter, uh, and explain to them what the problem is. And the dealership has been pretty good. They said what they have is they have a, 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 deal, a dealership installed remote starter system. They want 500 bucks for it. And what I want them to do is split the cost with me and have the dealership put, in, put it in there. What do you think? I think that, I think that would be a fabulous arrangement I, if you know whenever you can get you know somebody to come up with a solution like that where everybody takes a little bit of responsibility and it may be not even the dealer it you know it might be that well everybody pays a third you pay a third they the dealer pays a third and the manufacturer pays a third um you know it's, it, i i know that you know in some cases some uh, some of this technology, and, it's, and I've seen the technology and everything from electric vehicle charging stations to ATMs. Uh, they come in and they put a new, they put in a new 4G card in the, in the machine to make it work. You know, why can't something like that happen with a car? I guess maybe it's not practical and maybe it's too expensive. Uh, but the idea of being able to do that, uh, and you know, and say to you, hey, look, we'll give you a fully functional uh, keyless remote that you're able to. You know, start your car, lock your car, do all the normal stuff that you can do, and you know, and, and the idea that you pay for part and they pay for part, I think that's I think that's a really good solution. Well, we're gonna, we're going to give it a try because you know they certainly the LS would when I bought this one was the last year of the V8 and, the, and I call a full body car. They've right. really gone downhill if you look at anybody's ratings these days on the LS. It's really gone downhill. It's third or fourth place now. It used to be always be number one, you know. Right. So they can't lose guys like me, you know. No, I, I think I think you're right. And the idea, I mean, even when we were talking to Chris Teague earlier today, and we were talking about, you know, the Lexus that he drove recently that he was a little disappointed in, the idea of, 
you know, your, your Lexus and, you know, going back to the very first LSs that were built, those were the benchmark everybody compared their cars to, you know, whether it was, you know, Motor Trend or Consumer Reports, you know, everybody said, yeah, the Mercedes is good, but this Lexus rides better, it performs better, it does a better job. And the idea, like you said, the last V8, and even as good as these, you know, turbocharged V6s are, there's something a little bit magic about a V8. Okay, well, I just wanted to bounce it by you. Thank you for your comment. All right. Good best of luck down south, okay, buddy? Uh, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do our best. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. Let's, let's see if we can get real quick to John in Norwood. John, good morning. John, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, my 99 Maxima, there's a noise now. Um, uh, if I had a guess, I'd say it's coming from the area of the belts, the water pump. Okay. okay. All right. Um, it's kind of a groan. There might be some metallic sound to it. Um, could that be a here's, water pump? Here's, it could. It could be. And here's what you can try to do if you have, a, you know, if you can carefully, you know, take like a wooden dowel or or something, and you know, if you. Um, you know, we used to use something called a mechanic stethoscope, which was basically a stethoscope with a long metal thing on the end of it. You'd hold it up against different stuff, and you could kind of hear and feel vibrations in your ears. Um, but if you took a, a, a dowel or even a piece of hose and stuck kind of one end in your ear and fished the other part, you know, down to where you think the, you know, the water pump bearing is or the alternator bearing or the... Um, the, the, if there's an idler for the for the drive belt, uh, you can kind of figure it out that way. If it's more of a belt style noise, um, take a spray bottle with water in it and spray it on the belt uh, belt and see if the noise changes. And then it's then it's more just a belt noise than a than uh, a mechanical failure. But a you know 99 car is old enough. Could it could a water pump bearing be going bad in it? Sure it could. Uh, but if you take if you take a chunk of rubber hose, you know whether it's a you know piece of an old garden hose or anything, and just kind of fish it down there, you know, be careful of the belts and all, and hold the other end next to your ear. You'll hear where the noise is coming from. Okay, I'll give that a shot. Okay, all right. Thanks, Good man. luck. All right, Bye-bye. take care. Bye bye. So just you know we're able to help where we can. So. Doing all those kind of things. You know, this is kind of interesting. Acura is bringing back the ZDX name. Uh, Acura's first electric vehicle, the ZDX, will uh, uh, kind of closely to the Precision EV complex revealed by Honda Motor Company's luxury arm in August. The prototype of the electric vehicle has been spotted near General Motors' proving grounds. Apparently, this Acura ZDX electric vehicle is being made in conjunction with General Motors, which... I'm a little surprised at. While the front end bears a close resemblance to the Precision EV concept, ZDX also appears to share some structural elements with Cadillac's uh, Lyric's electric crossover, which looks like a really, really good car. Um, the you know, and it's all about it's all about electrics now. And whoever thought that you know, every time I look around, every ad I see is something about electrics and and what's going on with them, and you know, in you know, uh, uh, an article in Automotive News, the front page of Automotive News, it says um, Lincoln pushes dealers to get EV ready. Top market stores must invest $900,000 or more to get ready for electric vehicles. So there's a lot there's a lot going on. So uh, 
you know, some people are concerned electric vehicles aren't going to break down as much as uh, gasoline cars. Uh, in the short term, that could be true. In the long term, they're still just vehicles and things are going to go wrong. And they're very, you know, the interiors are very electronic driven. So it's going to be interesting to see how and where that's all going to go. And the idea that having dealers step up to, you know, 800000 a million dollars to get ready for electric vehicles. Uh, we're seeing, uh, I missed the New England Motor Press meeting that uh, Mercedes-Benz had three electric vehicles there. So a lot of stuff going on in the electric vehicle world, and we'll try to keep on top of it the best we can here on the Car Doctor program. That music means we need to go. I want to thank Jesse for doing that phenomenal job back at the station behind the board. Thank you, Jesse. And until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.